Good morning. Merry Christmas. Happy New Year. Hello. <laughs> I'm like, there's a little, there's a little soldier up here. Ah, that's great. That's great. I'm. Uh, I I got to tell you, I'm sort of still caught up in worship right now. If you don't mind, it's like I love it. Where's my coffee, dude? Man, come on. <laughs> I saw him coming in with coffee, and I'm going, oh, man. I know, I know, I know. I'll get you later. Trust me. <laughs> so, so, so what I want to do today is talk about, talk about something. There we go, new beginnings. New beginnings, right? I mean, it's sort of typical, traditional, the first of the year. We're, we're talking about what, we're, what are we going to do next year? What is this new year going to look like for us? I mean, if you could, how would the new year, whoops, how, what happened here? I'm going too fast. There you go. If you could, how would the new year look different than the old year? What would you do differently? Now, there are some things that's happened in this year that I'm sure that you're going, no, don't want that, been there, done there, done, done that, got the t-shirt, don't want to do it again. But there are other things that maybe we would do differently. I, I mean, if you could, what would you do differently? How would you even plan that out? Well, I think that part of the way we do that is starting with a rebuilding the foundation. And here's the reason I say that, because if you take, and I was thinking about my, the truck that I'm driving today. When I bought that truck, it's an 04 and it had 42,000 miles on it two years ago. Good deal, right? I mean, whoa. Well, you know what? Before I bought it, I had to make sure the foundation was good, the frame. Because if the frame wasn't good, it didn't matter what I did to the rest of the body. And I think in life, if we're going to change our lives, we have to look at our structure. On the way in here this morning, I, I heard a guy talking about new wineskins and how we don't put new wine into old wineskins. Most of you are familiar with that, that story that Jesus was talking about. But here's where this guy took it, and I, thought, I never thought about it in this way. And what he said was, you can't take new problems and use the old solutions to fix them. You've got to take new problems or, or new solutions, new ideas, new ways of dealing with things. How many know that if, if you were born in the 1990s or 1900s, which is most of us, there's been a lot of changes over the years. How many have a smartphone in their purse or in their pocket? Most of us, right? Yuppers. <coughs> I love her. She's great. But the way we deal with things today is, I mean, how many of us shop online? We don't even go to the store. How many people order their groceries and go and pick them up? 
I mean, people are finding new ways of dealing with old issues, old struggles. But I've got to tell you, I'm thick-headed. I'm probably the only person around that's like that, but I'm pretty thick-headed. My greatest struggle is saying no. Some of you know what that's like. My greatest problem, my daughter and I were talking about this the other night, and she goes, Dad, why is it that we have such a hard time saying no? Why is it that we feel guilty? Why is it that we feel like somehow we're bad if we say no? The other day, I got a request from people that I know. I haven't, I mean, I haven't been around their lives in 20-some years, and they were looking for me to do some counseling with them two and a half hours away from where I live. And I did the wisest thing that I've ever could have done. I'll say, I'll get back to you. And for two days, I just prayed. And I finally responded and I said, I'm sorry, but I cannot do this. There are people in your area, and I started to name them, who would be more than qualified to do what they needed. And do you know, I walked away feeling guilty. I still walked away feeling guilty. Even though it was the right decision, it was hard. It was hard. And so, I want to look at some scriptures from Colossians today. And Paul is saying, so then, just as you've received Christ, continue what? To live your lives in him, rooted and built up in him. If I'm doing that, then I am not going to be controlled by guilt or shame, am I? You see, the question is, is who is within me? Who is leading my life? Who is running my decisions? And quite frankly, sometimes I am. Thinking and living for Christ sometimes is an afterthought. Not in big things. I'm not going to divorce my wife. We've been married for 57 years. Just celebrated the day after Christmas. I don't know how she's put up with me. Maybe because when we got married, we understood that marriage was a commitment. And there were times in our marriage that we didn't want that commitment. But God, and that's all I can say about it, but God intervened. I may have shared this before. I was singing a song. (coughs) We're in a service. We are separated, and we're together in a service. I got invited. I drove five and a half hours to go to this service. Because, see, sometimes God works with your not being able to say no, (laughs) you know? I mean, that's sort of comical, but I'm in this service and I'm singing this song, Yes, Lord, to your will and to your way. I'll say, Yes, Lord. And the Lord goes, Will you? I went, Oh, man, I am cooked. I'm cooked. Yes, Lord, I know what you want. Yes, Lord, I'll surrender to your will. I'll surrender to it. You see, if you're going to live 
our lives in him, then we, we have to live our lives in a way that he would live. The question, Jesus, what would you do, is a good question. The answer to that question isn't always what you want. And here's the other thing that I'm finding out is that that answer is not given to us in the moment. There's a saying, perhaps you've heard it, that your lack of planning does not constitute an emergency on my part. And sometimes I've had people come to me with an emergency for an issue that they've had for 50 years. I'm sorry. I can't fix that. Remember the story with Jesus when the man was at the pool of Bethesda? And he was, Jesus came up to him and he said, do you want to get well? And the man said, well, I can't because no one will put me in the water. You see, the problem in life sometimes is we are so ingrained in our stuff that we don't want to get well. Because if we get well, we must choose a different path in which to walk. If I'm going to walk with Jesus, if I'm going to live and be rooted and built up in him, I must walk according to his direction. And I think that story of that man in the, at the well was, is interesting because it meant that he had to get off of the, whatever he was using in order to live. He couldn't have anyone carry him around anymore. He probably had to find a job. He probably had to find a different lifestyle. So then in Colossians 2.8, it says, See to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophies. Now you might look at this and say, well, that's easy. I mean, we just don't go there. But you know the Christian church today is divided, not because of doctrinal issues, but political issues. And I'm like, are you kidding me? When I leave this earth, the only thing that I'm, the only place I'm going is to the kingdom. And Christ calls me to live in the kingdom when? Here and now. Not in the worldly kingdom, but in his kingdom, in the way that he's called me to live. And you. And so I have to ask myself, what is it that's influencing me? Going back to my daughter when she was asking, Dad, why do I feel this way? I know what you mean. I feel guilty even when I'm doing what's right. I said, you got it from your father. Not your mother. She's perfect. I said that because she's buying lunch. No, she's not. I don't know what we're doing. Anyway. But I was brought up that way. I, I know that when I, growing up, I was taught, and I don't know how I was taught this. I don't think it was actually spoken. I think it was what was implied in living. That good children, number one, are seen and not heard. I was crying once in the car. I was crying, and my and my father got upset and, and backhanded me. And, and, and I'm sobbing. I'm, I'm 
trying to catch my breath, and I was finally able to say, my hand is caught in the door. But, but my point is, and I'm not putting my dad down. I mean, he was human like the rest of us. But to a child, you learn something in that. You learn not to talk, not to share, that sometimes it's better to keep quiet. And I learned at a young age of how to take care of other people and make them happy. So how do you make them happy? <laughs> I went to my grandmother's house. The only rem- memory I have of my grandmother, and she had a gas, or uh, I'm not a gas, she had an, uh, an electric stove. Now, I grew up with a wood stove, and then we had gas. We didn't have no electric. Well, we had electric, maybe one outlet, I don't remember. And I remember that I was cooking eggs, and I must have been five or six years old, and I cooked these eggs, and I cooked them, and I didn't know how to regulate the, the burner, and so guess how my eggs turned out? Black. Nasty. Oh, they looked bad. And my grandmother said, oh, Bernie, she goes, throw those out. No, no, Grandma, I love them like this. <laughs> Where did I learn that from? I didn't like them like that. I don't like green eggs and ham either. I didn't care for those eggs, but I ate them because there was an unwritten rule in my life that said I must. I was sitting with a partner when I worked in mental health. We're sitting having lunch together, and she uh, she didn't eat, finish all her meal on her plate. She left like a quarter of it. I was put out. I can't believe you're doing that. She goes, doing what? I said, you're not eating everything. She goes, yeah, so? Well, don't you have to? (laughs) In my life, I had to. Whatever was on your plate, you ate. If you put it there, you had to eat it. And if mom put it there, you had to have a second helping. But you see, we do allow others to take us captive through hollow, deceptive philosophy. And some of it is ingrained in us and and, and in us. This philosophy, it says later, this depends on human tradition and element of spiritual force of this world rather than of Christ. Do you know the problem is is that sometimes the way that we're living is the product of everything we've been, and that's not necessarily good. A thing called learned helplessness. Some of you may understand what that means, but you can learn to be helpless. We get frustrated with people that won't do certain things or won't live up to a standard we think they ought to because they don't know how. They've never learned it. And that's a real issue, and it relates to this. You're awful quiet. So in, in Colossians 3, verses 1 and 2, it says, Since then you have been raised with Christ, set your hearts on the thing above. Do you ever realize that maybe what we need to be doing in life is starting off our morning with that in our hearts? Lord, whatever is of you today, let me follow after that. But that means we're going to have to stop and take an assessment many times during the day. 
Set your minds on the things above. I love your 40 days of prayer. I Grab one on the way out, will you? We can do that, right? Yeah, okay. Good thing, because I was going to do it anyway. Um, but seriously, it is a good way to start your morning. Why? Because you're preparing your mind. Remember, Paul says in Romans, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. What do you need to renew it from? From the things that you've learned. Because not all things that you've learned are good and healthy. You know, one of the definitions of stress is when my mouth is going, sure, I'd love to, and my heart is going, no! Some of you, just by your reaction, I know you relate to that. And you guys in the back, yeah, you do too, don't you? You know how many times I go, what was I thinking? Well, the answer to that is I wasn't. I wasn't thinking. I, I, I wasn't. I wasn't doing. I wasn't setting my heart on the things above. I was setting my heart on the people's getting pleased by what I was doing, by them being happy. That's what I had my heart set on. I'm an old guy, in case you didn't know. Um, I'm not old as Betty White, but was. Um, but I'm getting there. And I, and I laugh, because, I sort of laugh, because I'm like, Lord, how long is it going to take me to learn some of these things or unlearn them? Maybe that's the better word. How long do I have to unlearn them? You, you see, we have, we have mannerisms and, and internal responses to things like, boom, just like that. And we go, why did I do that? Because we've programmed ourselves into that. We have flight responses in us that we want to run and flee and we don't even know what's going on. It's just something we feel. So, so Paul says then, he says, therefore, just because of all of this, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly beloved. By the way, that's you. That's you. That's me. Clothe yourself with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. We, uh, we have a new term now. Don't be a Karen. Right? It's a new term. You all know what that means. Don't be a Karen. How many times have we been a Karen? We're just being stupid. We're being opinionated. We're being whatever. We cop an attitude. I went into Walmart yesterday or day before yesterday, and they have a ribbon up now, so they they make you walk down through this pathway. And I went, are you kidding me? I feel like a kindergartner but I get it I understand it how many of you have gone into the store to buy something and find out they're out 
and you My poor wife, um, I pick on her, <laughs> in case you didn't know that, I do pick on her, and uh, she is the 7 o'clock shopping queen, a.m., because there's no one in the store, maybe not quite 7, 8 o'clock at the latest, and that's what she does. You know why? Because she doesn't want to deal with people. Do you know what she's like when she's been dealing with people? I encourage her. I set her alarm so she can get out. That's what I do. <laughs> uh, by the way, my wife's name is Helen. I'm Bernie. You can remember us by Bern and Hell. There. Who was that guy? I don't know. They were Bern and Hell. That's who they were. But think about this. I mean, hot... If you stopped and thought about, Lord, am I, clothe am I clothing myself with compassion or bitterness? Am I con clothing myself with kindness or am I just argumentative? Am I clothing myself with humility? And, and, and actually look at that. I mean, look, I know probably at this distance you won't care, but I took a shower this morning. Okay, good, right, I saw that, good. So, so what's the point? We do things, we put on clean clothes, we put on deodorant, we put on aftershave or perfume or whatever it is. Why do we do that? Why don't we just wear the same old stuff? Because it, yeah, it is. Well, it depends on who you're going to be around, I guess, but, you know. But what God is saying and what Paul is saying is clothe yourself every single day, every moment of the day in these things. Go out your door with an attitude of having these things been put on, just like the armor of God. How many of you ever wake up just grumpy or do you let her sleep? No, seriously. <laughs> I'm going to pay for this. <laughs> but seriously, how many of you wake up and you're just grumpy? I have. I'll wake up sometimes in the morning and I, I've got a, I got a toot on. You know, I mean, whatever you call it. I'm just like... <clears throat> Part of the reason, you know, my wife wasn't here the last time because we'd gotten a new dog and so she was home taking care of the dog, right? Now the, the dog is home, and guess where the dog is? If I pulled my camera up, I could probably find her on our bed. <laughs> Sleeping. She has the, got the run of the house at 2.30 in the morning, this morning. Guess who where she was? On my side of the bed. That's what she does every single morning. She'll come into the bedroom and get on my side of the bed. And sometimes I am grumpy by the time I get up. After I've been dealing with a dog that's, you know, she stretches out with her feet straight behind her and her front feet in front of her. And like now she's five feet long or whatever, and she's taking up more than I want her to take up. And so trying to put this stuff on, closing myself with compassion, kindness, I want to throw her out the door. Not my wife, the dog. And then Paul says, let the peace of God, let the peace of Christ 
rule in your hearts. Let the message of Christ dwell among you. Think about what your life would be like if you just applied those two things. Let the message of Christ dwell among you. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that so whoever would believe that's the, that's the message of Christ. I came to seek and to save that which is lost. You know, sometimes the person that's irritating you the most is just lost. And they need the message of Christ in their lives. And God sent you to do it. Verse 17, he says, whatever you do, whatever, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. I don't know. I mean, I'm, I, I can be really, really, I can be a jerk sometimes, even at my age. I, I have my idiosyncrasies, and my wife will tell you, I am, I do. Sometimes, They drive me crazy. How many pairs of shoes does a person need? And I'm not talking about my wife. I'm talking about me. How many shirts? I've got more shirts than half of Walmart. Really? I I bought something. Now, this is, okay, I'm just talking about idiosyncrasies, all right? Maybe, Maybe you can relate to this. I bought... We bought a, I bought a, like a sweatshirt the other day and I hung it in my closet and my wife said, are you going to wear that? And I said, no, I might want to wear it tomorrow. Do you know how many tomorrows that's been already? I'll do that because I don't, I won't wear something because I don't want to get it dirty because I might want to wear it tomorrow. And when tomorrow gets here, I go into the same thing. I'm not going to wear it today because I might want to wear it tomorrow. So I better not get it dirty today. Really weird, isn't it? Yeah. How would you like to live with a guy like that? And so what I'm talking about is not, is not something that I'm trying to practice. I really am. I, I want the peace of Christ to rule my heart. And not my hang-ups, not my stuff. I want the message of Christ to dwell in me. We see, we all have our stuff. We all have our baggage. When my wife and I got married and we were like really, really young, but we came, in our short lives, we came into a relationship with so much baggage. One of the things was, um, so the scripture says, be angry yet and do not sin, right? You're all familiar with that. So I was never, I never, never got angry. Never. I did get annoyed and perturbed. But you see, in my upbringing, in my home, anger was not allowed. And so I never got angry. In my wife's home, anger (laughs) was rampant. 
And it was demonstrated and lived in a sometimes violent way. And so when my wife would see me getting angry, which I wasn't, she would try to control it and stop it, which would just cause my frustration to get higher. It took us a long time for me to identify anger and to deal with it as for what it was and for her to allow it in a safe way that it was okay to be angry. And I can remember that was probably the biggest thing that we struggled with in the early years, what, first 50 years of our marriage. (laughs) See, I was never angry. I did have rage, though. Well, you know what rage is, just anger out of control. So if you go back through what we just looked at, he says, and I've, I've just put these in bullet bullet points, live your lives in him, rooted and built up in him. That's what he's calling us to do. Then he says, see to it that no one takes you captive with hollow deceit and philosophies. I would really take these things and write them down and say, okay, and look at them every day. Am I living my life in him? How am I going to do that today? I've got a meeting I got to go into, which I'm dreading. How am I going to live this command, this direction today? How am I going to live my heart on the setting on the things above? How am I going to do that today? And actually develop a plan as to what will work for you. And if you don't make it, all right, start again. This life that God has given us is not about perfection. Set your hearts on the things above. Set your minds on the things above. And then he says, Clothe yourselves. Compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Could you actually take your uh, notebook and actually identify the different times during the day that you did that? Maybe with difficult people? A difficult situation? Let your peace of Christ rule your hearts. Let the message of Christ dwell among you. Do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus. Here's what... I think should be our desire. I think our desire should be in such a way as to live so that people go, what is different about you? I see something different. What is it? And I believe that we will complete that or accomplish that when we live out our lives clothed in his presence, in kindness, in patience, in gentleness, clothed with his mind dwelling and living in us and through us. Paul says this in closing. He says, therefore, this is, is, um, um, it's chapter four, verse one. I forget the book. And I don't, I, I, anyway, it doesn't matter. But he says, therefore, I, a prisoner for serving the Lord, beg you to lead a life worthy of your calling. For you have been called by God. And and here's where where I like to take it. I like to ask the question, what would that look like? If I were living that kind of life, what would that look like? And finally, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid to ask the question and ask it often. Lord, how am I doing? 
One of the things that I've learned in my relationship with my wife, if I'm trying to demonstrate love to her, honor, I actually have learned to ask her, how am I doing? This is the reason. I went out to the gun store the other day and I bought her a new gun. Wasn't that great? I mean, come on. Give me some attaboys here. The problem is, and by the way, I really, I really, I have gone out and bought guns, but not for her. And she does have a carry permit, so watch out. But the thing is, is that that doesn't show honor to her. That doesn't show love to her. It's, it's, it's about me. And, and I, and I, I've realized and come to understand that if I'm going to do it, I have to do it in a language that she understands. And so if I'm going to live these things that Paul is talking about in Colossians, if I'm going to live it, I have to live it according to how you see it in in our relationship and how you and how you and you. Because if I'm going to communicate kindness, how you understand it and how you understand it can be different. And that's the issue and that's the struggle that we have. It's not a one size fits all. And we as ambassadors of Christ are called to be ambassadors in lives, singular, before we are ever called to be ambassadors to the masses. Because if individuals don't change, then nothing else changes. Let's pray. Father, as we pull this together, help us to see that you're the one. You're the one that calls us to a greater uh, place of ministry, a greater place of relationships, a greater place of living in a way that demonstrates your life in us. Help us, Father. Help us to do that. Help us to live that way in a manner that glorifies you and brings others to the throne room of Christ. In Jesus' name.